Taiwan has played down the possibility that the U.S. will delay the delivery of its F-16 order because of the Ukraine crisis. According to the New York Times, the U.S. is looking into sending F-16s to Poland in return for Poland sending Russian fighter jets to Ukraine. According to the report, the F-16s on the table were ordered by Taiwan and are due to be delivered starting next year. Commenting on the report, Taiwan's defense minister said that he had not been notified of a potential delay in delivery. So far, all progress in the F-16 procurement case has been normal, he said. Speaking on Monday, the Pentagon's spokesman was also cautious when commenting on the deal, saying that talks were still in the early stages. Poland has denied the possibility of sending planes to Ukraine, saying that all claims to the contrary were, quote, fake news. Under attack by Russia, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has repeatedly pleaded with the world for help. According to the New York Times, the White House is pursuing a deal under which Poland would supply Ukraine with Russian-made MiG-29 jets, which Ukrainian pilots are familiar with. In turn, the U.S. would replenish Poland's fleet with U.S.-made F-16s. These are Soviet-era jets, right, that the Ukrainians would, would know how to, to operate, but also, of course, the irony is their Soviet era. But the Times notes the many practical challenges with this approach, including how F-16s would be provided to Poland and how Polish jets would be sent to Ukraine. U.S. officials interviewed also said that the next batch of F-16s was destined for Taiwan and that the U.S. was reluctant to delay that delivery. That uh, rumor is not accurate. We don't have any answers right now, Jake. We don't have a proposal on the table. There's, there's nothing set in stone about uh, providing aircraft to the Ukrainian armed forces. Uh, but we have started to have administration discussions. I have yet to receive any such information. I only know that our purchase order will be delivered starting next year through to the year 2026. More than 60 aircraft will be delivered. So far, all progress in this procurement case has been normal. If there is anything to know, I would know it. So far, we have heard nothing, so I will reserve comment. In November 2019, the legislature passed a special budget of 247.2 billion NT for the procurement of 66 F-16V jets from the U.S. The first jets are due for delivery in 2022. The fleet will be deployed at the Taidong Air Base, which occupies a strategic position for air defense. Amid reports that the jets could be diverted to Poland, Poland itself has come forward with a denial for fear of sparking Russian retaliation. Though the office of Poland's prime minister tweeted, quote, Poland won't send fighter jets to Ukraine. As Russia's invasion raises questions on global security, it's become increasingly hard for anyone to stand idly by. Russia has hit back at global sanctions by releasing a list of unfriendly nations. The U.S., the U.K., Australia and Canada made the list. Taiwan was also included. Here in Taiwan, the inclusion in Russia's list of nations has renewed discussion on the issues of sovereignty and independence. Following the outbreak of war in Ukraine, many nations imposed sanctions on Russia. On Monday, the Kremlin retaliated with a list of foreign states that it considered to be unfriendly. Besides the U.S. and the U.K., the list also included Taiwan. Taiwan, Taiwan is in fact a sovereign and independent country. The practices of the language used by many countries can in fact expose that attitude or that understanding of reality. We did sanction Russia, so Russia's reaction can be considered quite normal. 
Being listed like this, or perhaps even getting hit with counter sanctions, I think that these consequences are the smallest possible price that could be paid in a war. If, by paying this price, we can restrain that war, if we could force the aggressor to pay a certain price, then I think the sacrifice or the effort is worth it. In its reporting, the Russian state-owned RIA news agency identified Taiwan as simply Taiwan. Another Russian news agency, TASS, identified Taiwan as Taiwan, while adding in parentheses that it was considered a territory of China but had been self-ruled since 1949. Meanwhile, a Taiwan lawmaker called on Chinese internet users to rethink their pro-Russian stance. Russia lies often, but this time it is telling the truth. China's internet users should carefully consider whether they want to stand with the world's public enemy number one, or if they want to stand with Ukraine, with whom they have a treaty of friendship, whether they want to ensure the integrity of Ukraine's sovereignty. Which side do you want to be on? In releasing its list of unfriendly states, Russia unexpectedly stirred up talk on cross-strait issues. The outbreak of war in Ukraine has provoked comparisons to Taiwan's situation. Anxiety about a potential war with China is running high, and many people are wondering what would they do in the event of a Chinese attack. Taiwan has a large network of air raid shelters which are designed to be used if Taiwan is endangered. But some jurisdictions are better served than others. Let's see how Taiwan's shelters stand up to scrutiny. This sound is the familiar one and drill siren. Pedestrians and cars stop at the side of the road as soon as they hear it. But if one day the siren sounded for real, most of us wouldn't know where to run for cover. If bombs and bullets start to fly, where is your nearest air raid shelter? This unprepossessing little concrete structure at the front of Taichung Rail Station is actually an air raid shelter that dates back to the Japanese colonial era, now listed as a site of cultural significance. It's closed for visitors and will only reopen in the event of war. These photos show the insides of the square bunker, where benches along the walls would welcome people sheltering from bombs. The war in Ukraine has awakened anxiety in Taiwan and brought attention to this 60-year-old bunker. But the 2.8 million residents of Taichung are concerned there aren't enough shelters for everyone. Right now, we have 24,000 shelter rooms, which are approximately enough to shelter 8 million people. Taichung's emergency shelter capacity consists not merely of military bunkers. There are also basements and underground parking lots in multi-story buildings that are designated shelters. All in all, officials say the 24,000 locations should be enough for 8 million people. In nearby Zhonghua County, one famous shelter is here beside the waterfall at Baguashan Silver Bridge. Counting up the shelters across the whole country, we find 3,557 locations, enough for just 1.21 million people, while the population of Zhonghua exceeds 1.25 million. The designated areas for air raid shelters in Zhanghua County are Yuanling and Zhanghua cities and designated schools in Lugang and Hemei townships. Currently, only these four locations are suitable for the construction of air raid shelters. In a pinch, where else could you seek shelter? You can look up the bunker nearest to you by searching for air raid evacuation refuge centers on the National Police Agency website. You never know when it might come in handy. 400 reservists are on day four of refresher training in Taoyuan. They are the first cohort to enter Taiwan's new 14-day reservist training regimen. 
On Tuesday, the reservists loaded up in full gear and headed into the mountains for their first long march. With regard to the physical fitness, we have already made the relevant considerations. We want reservists to first adapt to the marching. After that, we will set up a variety of situations that they will deal with during the marches. After each one, we will make inquiries about the reservists' physical well-being and then make assessments. We've made all the necessary preparations with an eye on safety. During the longest 10-kilometer march, we will set up different scenarios as part of combat readiness training. The reservists will need to use certain skills during the march. I will not reveal more details now, but the 10-kilometer march, which will take place in two days, will draw on skills the recruits have been taught in class. The reservists will complete three marches of 5, 6 and 10 kilometers. The military says that COVID precautions will be taken during the exercises. Masks will be kept on and each reservist will be provided with disinfectant. Belize Prime Minister John Bersenio arrived in Taiwan early Tuesday for a five-day visit. It's his first visit to Taiwan as PM and he's here with a delegation of top Belizean ministers. During the visit, Bersenio will be received by President Tsai Ing-wen who will honor him with a civilian award and a banquet. Bersenio is also scheduled to meet with Taiwan's Vice President, Premier and Foreign Minister. Belize Prime Minister John Bresenio and his ministers arrived in Taiwan on Tuesday. They were received at the airport by Foreign Minister Joseph Wu, who greeted each visitor with an elbow bump. The delegation will be in Taiwan for five days. It's expected to attend a Taiwan-Belize investment and trade seminar. It will visit the Taipei office of the International Cooperation and Development Fund, the Taipei 101, Liberty Square and other local landmarks. Meetings are also scheduled with top government officials. On Wednesday, President Tsai Ing-wen will welcome the delegation with a military salute. She will present an order of propitious clouds with special grand cordon to the Prime Minister and host her guests at a state banquet. On Friday, Vice President Lai Ching-de will join Bersenyo on a visit to Tainan, where Bersenyo will receive an honorary doctorate from Kunshan University. During his stay in Taiwan, Bersenyo is also slated to meet Premier Su Chang and attend a banquet hosted by Foreign Minister Wu. Belize is among many nations that are deepening their ties with Taiwan. One of them, the non-allied country of Lithuania, was sanctioned by China for reaching out to Taiwan. On a visit to Lithuania, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken assured the Baltic state of American support. Every nation is free to associate with whom it chooses. That's why we respect and support Lithuania's decision to expand commercial ties with Taiwan, another leading democracy. Beijing has responded to Vilnius' decision with economic coercion and political pressure designed to divide the European Union and punishing Lithuania into reversing course. Amid the Russia-Ukraine war and high cross-strait tensions, Belize, Lithuania and the U.S. are making clear the support for Taiwan. Bookings for the 26th round of vaccinations will open on Wednesday. More than 1.23 million COVID shots will be available. In this coming round, the government will give a 500NT voucher to any recipient aged 65 and older. The incentive is aimed at driving up the vaccination rate among older adults. According to the latest figures, Taiwan's first dose coverage is 83%. Two-dose coverage stands at 77.2%, while booster coverage is at 44.8%. Let's hear from the CCC.
二十六期的啊第三季的预约接种的一个呃部分啊。In the 26th round of vaccinations, boosters are available for anyone who received two shots of a COVID-19 vaccine at least 12 weeks before. That is to say, people who received their second shot on or before December 26th last year and who are 18 or older. Starting today at 2 p.m., people can use the online platform to check their eligibility. Appointments will open up tomorrow at different times for different age groups. People aged 55 and up can book an appointment starting 10 a.m. People aged 38 to 54 can book their shots starting midday, and people aged 18 to 37 starting 2 p.m. The system will close at midday on March 11th. Taiwan reported eight local COVID infections on Tuesday, all in connection to previous clusters. That's four cases in Tainan, two in Kaohsiung, and two in Yilan. All the new cases are close contacts of known COVID patients. Taipei's population is continuing to drop and will fall below 2.5 million by the end of the month. That's according to Taipei Mayor Ke Wenzhe, who attributed the fall to the pandemic and high housing prices. The shrinking population will have repercussions on this year's local elections, with one constituency losing a seat in the city council. Unless there is a huge change to Taiwan's population policy, our population will continue on its gradual decline. Speaking on an online news show, Taipei's mayor said that his city's population would fall below 2.5 million by the end of the month. He said the main causes for the decline were high housing prices and the pandemic. Due to the pandemic, there are people who haven't returned to Taiwan for two years and will lose their household registration this year. This will account for 40,000 fewer people in Taipei. Taiwan expats have been unable to return due to COVID, leading to a drop in Taipei's population, the mayor says. In 2019, Taipei had a population of 2.645 million. As of February of this year, the figure has gone to 2.504 million. Songshan's population has dropped to 191,000, while Xingyi's is down to 205,000. The two districts now have a combined population of less than 400,000, which means they will lose one councillor seat in the year-end local elections. Out on the street, a Taipei councillor waves to locals. The race is on to secure a second term. Now that we've lost one seat, there are only nine left, so everyone is very nervous. Back in 2018, I was the last on the list for the Songshan Xinyi constituency, so I'm even more nervous. That's why I'm starting early. Since there are nine seats, the KMT will nominate six candidates. That's two-thirds of the available seats. It will be very hard to be elected. At this juncture, those of us already in office need to work hard and leverage our political accomplishments to gain public support. Currently, the constituency is represented by five KMT councillors, one independent and four DPP councillors. The upcoming race is set to be heated. Wu Zheng, who was defeated in 2018, is expected to go head-to-head -head with Taiwan People's Party spokesperson Christina Yang. I would hereby like to call on Party Central to speed up the nomination process. We don't want to leave everything to the last second or people won't have any opportunities to make arrangements.
No matter what happens, I am resolved to run in the election. We are not afraid of this battle. We will not avoid it and we will not shy away. We will continue doing what we are doing to serve the community. The councillor hopeful say they'll go all out in the upcoming race. With fewer seats up for grabs, both incumbents and newcomers are bracing for a bumpy ride. Taiwan's inflation is showing no signs of easing. Consumer prices went up by more than 2% for the seventh consecutive month in February, increasing by 2.36%. The most dramatic price hike was seen in eggs, which jumped nearly 30% last month. Due to rising global wheat prices, the cost of flour also made a big leap, going up by 5.7%. Bread rose by 5.1%. Meanwhile, cooking oil rose by as much as 10.29%, driven up by higher international soybean prices. The cost of eating out went up by 4.8%, the most in 13 years. The statistics agency warns that a war in Ukraine may lead to even higher prices for raw materials, crude oil and metal. This means that even worse inflation could be on the horizon. The government wants you to get screened for hepatitis. Liver cancer is the second most common cancer in Taiwan, and 80% of liver cancer is caused by hepatitis B and C. To support early diagnosis and treatment, the Health Promotion Administration lowered the age limit for free hepatitis screenings in 2020. Our FTV reporter Stephanie Yang has the details. Hepatitis B and C are both common viral infections that target the liver. According to the Ministry of Health and Welfare, 11,737 people died of liver cancer, chronic liver disease, and cirrhosis in 2020. Dr. Wu Zhaojun, head of the Health Promotion Administration, says that there are usually no obvious symptoms in the early stage of liver disease. Therefore, hepatitis screening is imperative. The liver is a silent organ and usually shows no symptoms, so screening is very important. About 10,000 people die a year from liver issues. Statistics show that 80% of liver cancers are related to hepatitis B and C. In 2020, the Health Promotion Administration lowered the age for hepatitis B and C screening. In line with the country's goal of eliminating hepatitis C by 2025, people aged 45 to 79 and indigenous people aged 40 to 79 are eligible for government-funded screening for hepatitis B and C. Dr. Wu encourages the public to make good use of the preventive health services provided by the government. It is very important to get hepatitis B and C liver screening. In line with the national policy to eliminate hepatitis C by 2025, we relaxed the screening age in September 2020. We recommend everyone to get screened at least once between the ages of 45 and 79 years old. Over the course of a year, we have screened nearly 1.4 million people. The HPA says that early detection and treatment can effectively prevent hepatitis, cirrhosis and liver cancer. In addition, changes to lifestyle habits such as maintaining a healthy diet and exercising regularly can help prevent fatty liver disease. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang, Chen Shenhan in Taipei. Let's now take a trip to the National Museum of Natural Science to learn about Taiwan's fascinating ocean heritage. The museum boasts a bountiful collection of deep-sea fossils and intriguing skeletons. Recently, the first piece of amber ever discovered in Taidong went on display. We spoke to scholars about how that rare golden gem got here. This little rock looks like any other stone, but inside it hides a lump of amber as large as a yellow bean. 
it's finally seeing the light of day after slowly forming over 10 million years. This piece of amber, discovered in Taidong, is made of resin from a tree from the Dipterocarpaceae family. This family doesn't actually exist in Taiwan anymore. Originally, they grew on the volcanic island arc that is now Orchid Island. When that land was folded over into Taiwan, this piece of amber was formed. The unusual gem harks back to Taiwan's prehistoric forests, giving us clues to the country's ancient geology. These exhibits at the National Museum of Natural Science also bring the mysterious world of Taiwan's oceans to life. This is a ligidi, and behind it is a deep sea louse. They can grow up to about 50 centimeters long. This one is a sea spider, which also grows to enormous sizes. One of its legs can grow 30 centimeters long. So when you stretch out all its legs, it's almost 60 centimeters in diameter. Taiwan's waters house a rich ocean ecology with an astonishing array of undersea creatures. The museum is an incredible treasury of knowledge. There are more than 1,800 fossilized shrimp and crabs here, for instance, 10% of the whole world's collection. To get deep sea specimens, you need a deep enough sea. Here in Taiwan, the water off the west coast is shallow, but not far off the east coast, it's 900 to 1,000 meters deep, and there are large variations in the undersea topography. So very near Taiwan, you can reach depths which you'd have to travel very far to find from other countries. The museum has agreed to a plan with National Taiwan Ocean University to collaborate on academic research, outreach and education, and preservation of the museum collection. Taiwan's rare ocean landscape is just too precious to neglect. As China's saber rate rattling increases, observers have noticed the sharp discrepancy in Taiwanese and Chinese military spending. China's defense expenditures in 2022 will reach 1.45 trillion RMB, which is about 6.4 trillion NT, a 7% year-on-year increase, according to the latest statistics. Taiwan's defense spending, on the other hand, will be roughly 374 billion NT, which is 17 times less than that of China. However, despite the discrepancy, one scholar has remained optimistic, stressing that China's economy is weakening, and it's not likely that this trend can be sustained. Given that China's economic capacity is slowly declining, but its military spending is gradually increasing, then how long can it maintain this increase? This is a problem because after your defence budget is allocated, you probably need to buy equipment, you need to train the troops, you need to shape the combat force of the army, then you need to maintain the state of the troops. Then, after all this, you need to once again buy even newer things. For several years now, Taiwan has been emphasising asymmetric warfare, and this actually is the key to confronting the PLA, which has an absolute advantage in numbers. The scholar argues that the wider the gap between the two countries' military spending, the more Taiwan needs to strengthen asymmetric warfare so that China won't dare make rash moves against Taiwan.